This podcast is proud to be part of the TalkSport Fan Network. TalkSport. Powered by fans. Hiring for your small business? If you're not looking for professionals on LinkedIn, you're looking in the wrong place. That's like looking for your car keys in a fish tank. LinkedIn helps you hire professionals you can't find anywhere else. Even those who aren't actively searching for a new job but might be open to the perfect role. In a given month, over 70% of LinkedIn users don't even visit other leading job sites. So start looking in the right place. With LinkedIn, you can hire professionals like a professional. Post your free job on linkedin.com slash people today. The TalkSport Fan Network is proudly supported by McDelivery, bringing you the food you love. McDelivery brings a top-tier lineup of food right to your door. No matter the results, you'll always be winning with McDelivery. Order now on the McDonald's app and you'll get rewards points delivered too. So that ordering today means some tasty rewards for tomorrow. Only via app at participating restaurants. 18 plus rewards registration required. Points only on menu items, delivery fee and terms apply. See mcdonalds.com. Hello and welcome to the Total Saints podcast, our weekly get-together discussing all things Southampton Football Club. We're live-streaming our podcast on Facebook, Twitter, Twitch and YouTube. If you're watching on YouTube, make sure that you subscribe to the channel to be the first to see our latest videos. Now, as always, a massive thank you to our TSP patrons who support all the work that we can do. You can visit patreon.com forward slash Total Saints podcast to find out more about getting involved. Coming up this week on the pod, the search for a new manager looks to be nearing its conclusion, but is Russell Martin the man to lead us back to the Premier League? We're going to get into that first. It was the most played fixture in the division without a home victory, so we all knew what was going to happen today against Brighton. Of course, we'll discuss that game. And our final top flight match for a while is Liverpool at St Mary's. We will preview that game. My name's Martin Stark, and I'm joined this week by Steve Grant, the owner of Saints Web, Glenda Decor, the writer of the blog League One Minus Ten, and Jacob Tanswell is the Southampton and writer at The Athletic. Underpinned by our TSP patrons, this is episode 234 of the Total Saints podcast. Your home for everything Southampton FC. From dedicated Saints insight to exclusive interviews. Live on YouTube every Sunday and available to download wherever you listen to your podcasts. This is the Total Saints podcast. So reports this week then would suggest that Swansea City head coach Russell Martin is very close to being named the new Southampton manager. He led Swansea to 15th in his first season as a championship manager, 10th this year, a campaign which ended with a nine-game unbeaten run. Swansea play possession-based football and his commitment to that style is believed to be what appealed to the bosses at Southampton. So Jacob, you've been writing about it this week. What is the the very latest as you understand it? Because it, it, it's moved on fairly quickly since we talked about it last Sunday. Yeah, it has. I think it was TalkSport who reported first of, of the interest along with a few other candidates. And then since then, I think a few, you know one or two have maybe have dropped out of the race and it's become clear probably since Wednesday maybe that Russell Martin was, was going to be the guy. Um, he was scheduled to fly out to the US uh, at some point last week to have whole face-to-face talks with the owners because there was a little bit of a discord between them. But that never happened. Uh, Russell Martin stayed in Swansea, stayed in England throughout throughout the week and uh, it looks like 
obviously with Slamton interested um, that it will be done within the next couple of days. Obviously, Slamton want to move possession based. You know, we've said it for a couple of weeks now that they're trying to move away completely from from the harsh little high pressing style where everything revolved around what you did without the ball to basically being a equivalent of Brighton in the championship, dominating, trying to drag uh, opposition teams in before playing around them. And Russell Martin, he's possession dominant, he's young, he's up and coming. And also, most importantly, he's probably going to be a head coach type that will work under Jason Wilcox uh, within those guidelines. So Ankerson and Wilcox played a big role in this appointment. And yeah, all Slanton need to do now is make the approach to Swansea, uh, pay the compensation and, and rubber stamp it. Glenn, what's your feeling? I mean, underwhelmed is the general kind of feel at the moment. Were we expecting maybe a bigger name or are we, are we not in that position at the moment? Is it a case of this, this is where we are right now? I would have been disappointed. I would be slightly disappointed if we didn't sound out some of the available bigger names, but I guess we probably haven't because that doesn't seem to be the route that Rasmus Anderson wants to go down. So it, it doesn't really surprise me that we've gone for another young-ish manager from uh, basically from the championship. I'm, I'm kind of cautiously optimistic about it. I don't think you can be over-optimistic about it. And I don't think you should, you know, chuck the baby out with the bathwater either. It, it's, it, it seems... <laughs> Yeah, maybe that is the definition of <laughs> underwhelming. I don't know. Uh, yeah. <laughs> um, you know, the fact that he, he plays football and we recognise that we want to, you know, keep the ball and, and be a bit more possession heavy. I, I I think that's a good thing. The The only thing that worries me slightly is if it's another manager who's completely wedded to one style of football. You've got to know when to boot a ball 70, 70 yards into the stand at times. So it, it does worry me a little bit it, if he's just another guy that has one way of playing bit like Ralph Hasnell did um, and eventually teams work it out and um, and and then you've then you've got a, a slight problem but um, but <laughs> it does worry me uh, again that we've we've done the uh, the metrics thing again you know we want to be possession based and Rasmus has gone oh there's a metric for that we need to find the manager who's got the who's got the best of, of that particular metric so we'll see we'll see what happens there I mean I thought we were trying it out today in the first half because we 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 tried about 30 passes across our own goal before we go <laughs> all the way five yards out. Is that so when that the was, Olays started? There were some Olays, um, but no. <laughs> yeah, yeah. Ru- Russell Martin football there. And we started it early. Gave the ball away six yards out and luckily they hit the post. So, um, so yeah, I'm I'm okay with it, I guess. But, um, you know, proof is in the pudding, isn't it? We'll see what happens. What are your thoughts, Steve? Because it does seem like it's another data-led decision to me. It is, but at least this one seems to make a vague bit of sense. I mean, I don't think you'll find anybody who will really understand what metric it was that that led Rasmus Ankerson to decide that Nathan Jones was the answer to all our prayers. But I think Russell Martin, I think, ticks a lot of boxes in in many ways. Firstly, he'll probably be quite cheap. He's not going to be, because he's not kind of done anything yet, he's not in a position to go to his superiors and, and tell them they don't know what they're talking about, even though Rasmus Anderson clearly needs that kind of conversation to be had with him at some point. But his his, his record in his relatively young managerial career is is decent so far. He's he got MK Dons with a mid mid table budget, got them to third and they were I think they were a point off off the automatics a couple of years ago behind serial sort of yo-yoers Wigan and Rotherham. So he got them into into a good position, went went and took the Swansea job and I mean they've despite the fact they've clearly not got they've barely got a pot to 
they um, these days, Swansea. From from what I gather, they're they're quite decent to watch for the most part. They're attacking. Um, I think they were the fifth fifth leading scorers in the championship this season. Um, the only downside is the defence that they've had. They've been quite a leaky um, defence with a lot of those goals apparently coming from trying to play out from the back a little bit too much. So I do wonder whether the sort of nervous energy that tends to emanate from from the stands at St Mary's whenever any um, home team dares to try and play the ball out of the back, whether that will have a have a negative um, impact. But I guess we'll we'll wait until wait until August to find find that one out. But I think he's done he's done what what appears to be a passable job at, at Swansea given given the restrictions they've as I say they've they've got no money and they were kind of on I mean they finished what three points off the playoffs I know they they weren't ever really ever really in contention but they've still went and kept went and caught a lot of those a lot of those sides finished above Watford and Norwich who everyone expected to be one one and two this season so yeah it's he's he's done okay and I think given that I think we all probably secretly accepted um, that we weren't going to be going in the championship. We weren't going to be going for a big name um, or someone who was likely to be sort of really sort of exciting from, from the word go. Do you think we should have done though? Do, do you think that as Glenn was saying that we should have sounded out a few more of these, these people just, just for, give them the chance to say no. I mean, maybe, maybe we did. I mean, by all accounts, we, we've spoken to spoken to Graham Potter at some point in the last two or three months um, since he left Chelsea, and and seemingly the the answer the answer from that conversation was that yes, I'm absolutely interested if you stay up. So, I mean that's that's kind of the 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 kind of barrier we've had is that anybody who was any good probably would have wanted um, wanted to take over us as a Premier League side. Less interested in the Championship, where um, maybe there's a slightly different skill set of the um, of the players required. Yeah. I mean, both 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 Potter and like Brendan Rodgers, they're they're going to think themselves that they'll be up for another Premier League job yeah. at at this at this time. Having done the championship I mean, and been promoted, yeah. I mean, Rodgers Rodgers won the FA Cup two years ago. I think he's yeah. yeah I think he's he's one of those sort of guys who's who's probably within his within his rights to think that um, to an extent. Although, I mean, obviously his 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 shtick isn't it that he gets about two two and a half years out of players and then it all goes horribly wrong very very quickly and Leicester probably should have binned it off when the when the first signs of of trouble were coming but um yeah him him and Potter I, I would I would fully expect to to be managing uh Premier League sides um next season I've been really impressed, Jacob, that they've got the business done already. You know, the season hasn't finished yet. We all said how short this window was, how quick the turnaround, how much work they've got to do. Uh, is this this the, the Jason Wilcox influence that's going on where he hasn't actually started yet, but he, he's having a bit of a say and he, he's getting his ducks in, in line? Yeah, definitely. I think he's been having a say in terms of the academy, how it's going to set up next year, what coaches will be in, what age groups, um, having a say, obviously, in, in the style of play, whoever the manager is. But also, I think it speaks more broadly of, replacing people that are leaving all this staff that are leaving I think they're doing that first so you know they're bringing in Mowbray from Aberdeen uh, as the new head of recruitment eventually replacing Joe Shields who left October guarding Leaf until February uh, and they're close to from what I believe uh, appointing a new academy director as well so these are all things that they're doing slowly or quickly uh, and they're getting these people in place in order to make the key decisions when the end of the summer, end of the season comes, and they can therefore look forward to recruiting properly in in the in the squad because it's going to be a massive task. You saw today that a lot of these players aren't 
built for possession-based football. They can't play out from the back. They can't play through the lines. That's from the centre-backs. That's from centre midfield. Bar Lavia, but he'll be off. And and the forwards as well. Um, it's going to be a completely... Uh, it's got a complete hill, hill turn, really, isn't it? And We, we put, didn't have yeah. we didn't have any forwards today. <laughs> Theo Walcott... I, I was just to trying to think what style that the players, um, the 11 players are designed for, the ones that... that but that's... That's the thing... <laughs> Someone asked someone asked Seller today. Rondos. Um, someone said asked Seller today, what have you learned in, in your time? And he looked at me and said, Those that have been watching from the start know my, my identity. Uh, so I And you're like No, I, I don't mind I don't mind. I think he's I think Sellers is a good coach. I, I think he has been left hung up to Jarvis by Sport Republic at times. I think the fact that he doesn't know anything about this appointment and he's been told or briefed by the club media uh, and by by reading the press, although he says he doesn't. Is I don't think it's right. I think they should. He should have had a bit more transparency. But yeah, it's going to be a huge change of direction for Slamton next in the summer, and a lot of these players either have to get used to it or have to leave. Is it been a bit disrespectful, Steve? Do you think to to, to Sellers? I mean, he's he's saying he's absolutely not going to stay at Saints if he wasn't the manager. So he, he he's made that pretty clear this week. I don't think they would ever consider keeping him on as a coach anyway but do you think it's been handled badly or is, is that just the nature of these jobs where they say you're in charge to the end of the season yeah I mean I think there's there is a kind of natural sort of this is just the way football works cut it's cutthroat cutthroat business and you're only ever one game away from potentially um, being out on your ear but I mean Sellers isn't stupid. He's not. He's not that naive to to think that the performances and results that we've seen in his tenure have been remotely good enough for him to be confident to to stay in position. So of course we're gonna we're gonna be looking um, looking for sort of success a succession plan. And yeah, absolutely. I, I wouldn't I wouldn't expect him to to stick around if well when a replacement is found because. Yeah, I mean, once you've once you've kind of tasted that top job, you can't then just go back into the pack. I don't. I think from a from a sort of environment perspective, that just doesn't work. But again, I mean, you've seen today in Tino's post match interview on on the club with the club's social media, he's referenced the manager by name again, and there's there's clearly not a clearly not a sort of player manager um, relationship there. It's a player player coaching staff relationship, and and I think that's ultimately where Sellers has failed to kind of bridge that bridge that difference and make himself make it kind of known that that okay lads I I was your mate before up until February but now the environment has changed you answer to me you are subordinate to me and therefore you don't call me by my first name it's gaffer boss whatever and yeah that's and that that sort of thing I mean it's it's a it's a silly thing to moan about obviously but but it it paints a picture of kind of a, just a, a general lack of discipline. And I think we've seen sort of disjointed performances, disjointed team selections. I mean, I mean, yeah. what the hell was that today? Yeah. And I think, I think what you've said there has partly explained it, you know, trying to be Mr. Nice Guy. Maybe he's just trying to, you know, spread the start and give everybody a game. I mean, where do nice guys finish? But I, 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 Flat I, did, last. I did that, I did that <laughs> run the Sunday league side. It's a little bit, little bit different when you're, when you're trying to persuade a bunch of, bunch of, um, fat lads to get out of bed on a Sunday morning than it is when you when you're paying them fifty grand a week. I mean, it's 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 a it's professional sport. You're supposed to be the best of the best and and have this sort of absolute winning attitude. And I mean, looking through that team, we haven't got anybody with that. 
Have we been, Glenn, are we, uh, have we had our fingers burned with Nathan Jones? Are we overanalyzing this a bit too much? Because obviously that didn't work out, arguably. You know, had we done that in the summer? Had we brought in the players that he wanted, the coaches that he wanted, uh, and given him the, the, the season, it, it might have worked out uh, at a push. Are we slightly tainted by what happened and what went wrong there? Is it going to take us a while to get over that? Because to me, it feels like the pressure is going to be on Russell Martin coming in to hit the ground running, or we're going to start making those comparisons again. I, th- I think you have to draw a line under what's happened this season. We, you know, we're next next year we're going to be a, a different team, a different manager, a different div- different division. Ultimately, I think it's not very rewarding to look back at um, the Nathan Jones appointment. I think that's got to be consigned to the dustbin of history. And <laughs> and we we it's, have it's, to... it's, it's like the Ted Bates statue. It will always be there. Everyone will always. <laughs> I, I'm just. I mean, it will. It will reflect. It will reflect badly on the owners again if um, if if it do, if it doesn't work out. But it should be easier for it to work. I mean, Nathan Jones might have worked in the championship, but I, I don't think any there's any way on this planet that he is ever going to be a successful Premier League manager with anybody, let alone with the the shambles of a squad and the recruitment that that we had this season. So the pressure will be on Russell Martin simply because we are going to be a big fish in the championship next year with regards to the budget that we've got because of the parachute payments, because of the owners that we've got, who are obviously not short of a bubble too. So the pressure is going to be on more so than it ever was at Swansea because there was always a mitigating factor at Swansea, something he could blame if something went wrong. Well, my, my owners aren't giving me any money. What do you expect? I'm, I'm having to make do with free transfers and all this sort of stuff. So there'll be enough pressure on uh, Russell Martin anyway, if it does turn out to be him. But uh no, I, I I want to forget all about Nathan Jones, to be honest, and uh, and I'm sure that um, Rasmus Anks and the Sport Republic do as well. And we just we just need to just need to go from now. You know, we 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 you know, there's so much change going on, as Jacob said, with not only you know obviously changing the division, but that so much is changing behind the scenes. You know, it's not, it was one of Nigel Atkins' favourite quotes, wasn't it? Draw, draw a line under it and move on. And, and that's that's kind of what we have to do once this godforsaken season is over. Please it's, it's a lack of trust, isn't it? That's that's the problem. That while Sport Republic had our absolute trust up until probably June, July, maybe, uh, based on the fact that we were address, we looked as if we were addressing key areas, and obviously there was there were links to big name big massive money by our standards centre forwards who let's be honest if we if we'd signed Cody Gakpo we wouldn't be sat here having this conversation we'd we'd be 12th in the league and and not not giving not giving a damn about the relegation battle but ultimately the two they've made two bad appointments in a row and they were two bad appointments that I think a lot of people could probably have predicted were were going to be bad Mm. so there's already an erosion of trust there I mean yeah you can come kind of stand back and say fine it's your money lads do do as you please but it's our football club it's not it's not just any old business we are we are all heavily invested in this um whether we like it or not um mostly not at the moment quite frankly and as a result they um i mean rasmus in particular because everyone knows it was his appointment for jones and that has been seen as kind of the catalyst of of everything really he's got to regain that trust and I mean, it's not just not just making a quick appointment and making sure that all the backroom appointments are are in place and and that some sort of vague fluidity amongst amongst the the kind of suits in the club is already starting in the summer. There's got to be kind of signs that they know what they're doing from a 
um, playing squad perspective. We look, we all we all appreciate that certain players aren't going to be playing for us next season, um, whether we like it or not. But can they extract the maximum value out of the players that we would like to keep? Can we basically just put certain players into a into a dustbin and and cart them off? Uh, where they can never be seen again, Joe Rebo. Okay, can can they can they get all this all this stuff organised in in a summer that is? I mean, we've got basically three weeks less than than all the other championship sides um, to to start getting prepared for all of this stuff because we're still playing. They fin- they finished uh, two weeks ago, so there's a lot to be done and not very much time to do it and a lot of trust to be regained in a very short space of time. And do you think, Jacob, this is someone that they've been tracking for a while? Because obviously, Nathan Jones, we know that Rasmus Ankerson have been tracking him for a while. There are a lot of names that have, have come around. Michael Carrick is one that I can see being mentioned tonight again in the comments. You know, Frank Lampard's name comes up when uh, whenever there's a, vac- a vacancy somewhere. So, how, how, how... God. Please, we, can, no. we can write Frank Lampard off. That's not bring, 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 bring Nathan Jones back ahead of Frank Lampard, seriously. How how close do you think his name was to the top of that list? I think it's been close to the top of the list. I think probably the top three, maybe if I'm if I'm guessing for this appointment. But I don't think he probably wasn't in a database of manager that, that Slampton always claim they have. Because if you look at the previous managers that have been in a database, Bruno Larsh, Thomas Frank, De Zerbi. Okay, De Zerbi's similar to Russell Martin, but the other two are basically play this a better version of Nathan Jones and Ralph Hasen at all, which is the high pressing, quite direct style of play. So for me, it's almost like Sport Republic's third attempt of a reset. They tried it last summer in fresh in freshen up Hasen tool and his backroom staff and the players there. Then they tried to go even more direct with Jones, with Onuachu and Bree coming in and playing a back three, five, whatever. And now they're saying, right, we, we've tried that. Let's go to possession now. Who's in the championship or who shows up well on a data that's really possession heavy? We're going to go completely the other end of the of the spectrum, completely extreme. And we're going to see if Russell Martin can do it. And I don't think it's probably something that's been planned long term, like this strategy that's been going on for six months. They probably just sat down with Jason Walcox. They sat down with, looked at Man City, as they t- tend to do quite a lot. And they said, what actually works? Oh, OK, we're going to pay three times a week, Saturday, Tuesday, Saturday. We can't keep pressing like this. It's not sustainable. Uh, and if we do go back up, we can't keep offering this energy output all the time. Teams have f- realised how to work against Southampton, how to beat the press. If the morale's not there, uh, if the energies are not there, Southampton will get played through anyway. So they need to find a way of just taking a temperature out of games. And if anyone's not watched the Nate, uh, Russell Martin coach's voice, where he spends 28 minutes analysing it for Neil winning against Cardiff, I recommend you to watch it straight after this because... It was incredible in terms of what he wants his team to have all the time, regardless of formation. And if you see what he says there, it's very similar to what Jason Walcott's Man City want, and therefore what Sport Republic want too. That's a really good point about the increased number of games next season too. Um, Glenn, we're kind of like scrabbling around trying to find out as much as we possibly can. You know, is it a, a, some, a friend or somebody, a relative that's a Swansea fan? It's, I mean, we're clutching at straws a bit here. but um, My... my... My sister has the uh, misfortune of being married to to a Welshman who supports Swansea, and he's a, he's a very sensible chap. And all he said to me is that uh, he he always felt that Russell Martin would do a really good job for someone with a decent budget and some decent players. And he said he's basically been hamstrung at, at Swansea by a lack of you know a lack of budget, some slightly strange owners that they've got there. And that's that's the only sort of feedback I've, I've got on him. I mean, I'll, I'll freely admit, because we have been not in the championship mm. for a long, long time, I don't know too much about it now. I assume it's kind of similar to what it was when we were last in it, in that 
you know the a lot of the a lot of the teams are a lot more direct it's there's not as much diving around there's no var thank christ and um you know so i'm 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 looking forward to learning what what it's all about but all i've all i've heard about you know russell martin is is that you know is is those things that we've all spoken about so uh yeah it'd be interesting to see how he deals with with the step up so even though it's in the same division that he's used to it is a step up in in terms of the level of expectations that are going to be on him. Well, we always say get in touch with us during the week. Charlie's a, a Patreon, and he says uh, his cousin is Russell Martin's goalkeeping coach. So you're like, again, this is like kind of like you know, what can we possibly find out about this guy? Uh, and he said, uh, don't need a journalist. Don't need a journalist. Just, just get, get Charlie on, on. But he said um, actually chatting to him, you know, his philosophy and his ideas and stuff. Um, he said to be honest, when he spoke to him a year or so ago, he said I wouldn't have a problem with imagining Saints one day. And he also went on to say some bits about how they're kind of aware that they're coming in and. Um, our expectations are going to be a little bit low. We're going to be a bit underwhelmed and they know that they're going to be trying to get everybody back on side. So he said, um, above all, um, hopefully it'll be the season when we get a clear playing style back and a team that we can actually be proud of. And I think I kind of echo Charlie's sentiments to that last sentence and say, that's probably all we really want from next season. That'll go a long way. Jacob, just on the um, other appointment, I know you mentioned it, but Darren Mowbray coming in, um, is this going to help with the the accountability? It looks like you've got obviously Rasmus now and then Jason Wilcox, Darren Mowbray coming in as well. And then the manager, it looks like there's that the chain of command there and they're going to be accountable for some of the decisions and, and the recruitment. Yeah, I think there's a, becoming a bit more of a power structure now in terms of Ankerson's going to probably take a step back a little bit more. Wilcox will be in charge of the day <laughs> the day-to-day football operations and then Darren Mowbray will be going out ahead of recruitment uh, rubber stamping signing so it won't, we won't end up in a situation of January where the back end of it was does anyone know what's going on who's who are we signing and they're like oh Ankerson's out in Denmark or whatever trying to do this deal that deal with not no one really knowing so I think Darren Mowbray he'll have he'll be in charge of the scouting system he'll be the one they all answer to um, it's been going on for a few weeks. I think I know Slampton have looked at other people from other clubs uh, in England and, and elsewhere. Uh, but Darren Mowbray is one that's, I think it's been agreed for a few weeks now. So that's good just to get him through the door and have a bit of clarity in that situation because I found it a bit odd that they never just even tried to get ahead of recruitment ahead of January. Like as soon as Joe Shields was off uh, in October, they said, right, we'll do it ourselves. And with Ankerson and uh, obviously the power power struggle in the hierarchy, it's always going to be difficult to, for that to be smooth sailing as well. Well, if he sticks around for a year, that'd be a start. <laughs> I don't know if anyone knows, how old is Darren Mowbray? Because usually the people we're appointing for these sort of positions are kind of, you know, 30. Yeah, he's a little bit older. He's, yeah, he's Tony Mowbray's brother. So I think he's around in the 50, in his mid-50s, on, yeah. I think. Um, so, yeah, he's a little bit more experienced in that Martin Glover mould. Uh, so potentially he can be a little bit more wiser and not necessarily go on on whims i'm just still upset that the new saints manager is younger than me like, you get to that age in life it's like oh <laughs> get used to it mate. <laughs> <laughs> open for Roy Hodgson. many of us have those stubborn pounds that seem impossible to lose no matter how good we eat or how hard we work out my solution is plush care PlushCare is a leading telehealth provider with doctors who are there for you day and night to partner with you in your weight loss journey. They can prescribe FDA-approved weight loss medications like Wagovi and Zepbound for those who qualify. Plus, they accept most insurance plans. To get started, visit plushcare.com slash weight loss. That's plushcare.com slash weight loss. 
Picture the scene. All of your mates around, you've got your McNugget share boxes ready to go. Partner this with your team playing champagne football. Perfect. Order McDelivery now on the McDonald's app. There's nothing quite like a McDelivery. At participating restaurants, 18 plus, serving times, delivery fee and terms apply. See mcdonalds.com. <laughs> there was a game as well today. Uh, the final away game of a sorry season ended in defeat. 3-1 the, the final score. I mean, you guys were all there today. Steve, you made the trip. What were your your thoughts today? Rubbish lineup and uh, first half performance largely to match. I think we had a two or three minute spell fairly early on where basically both, si- both sides missed um, just traded in missing sitters where we won the ball quite high up the pitch and uh, Walcott feeds Alcaraz who basically just gets his feet in a tangle and shanks one wide when, I mean, he's been in that position quite a lot actually since he joined and more often than not, it's ended up in the bottom corner. Um, so yeah, that was that was frustrating. But other, other than that, I mean, Brighton gave us an absolute lesson in that first half, an absolute schooling. And we were we were very fortunate to only be two down, and that was just garbage. There was just there was there was no no energy to it, which I think we probably expected when we saw the lineup. I mean, to be honest, that was one of Elianusi's better performances this season. I thought, um, which is potentially quite a low bar, but no, I mean he he was he was okay. I thought Aribo was. I mean, you might as well have stuck a you might you might as well have stuck a training cone out there. I mean the 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 thing that that kind of summed everything up for me in that in that game was when we won the ball high up and we sort of la- launched a counter-attack. The ball goes to Joe Aribo and two passes later, the ball is back with Alex McCarthy. <laughs> it's like, how the hell have we just done that? <laughs> okay, fine. If we're, if we're playing, playing the game out at 2-0 up, you're, you're wasting time and not, uh, not concerned about going forward too much. But we were 1-0 down at the time. Maybe even two nil. I can't can't quite remember when it was, but um, that was that was just extraordinary, extraordinary moment. And yeah, as I say, just a something that kind of summed summed everything up, along with the um, the inflatable turd that was in the that was, that was in the away. <laughs> was that you? Um, did you, did you it, was, that? it was not. No, no. I I took the photo that's that's doing the rounds, but no, I I was I I have abs- I'm absolving myself of any responsibility for that. I did share the photo. It made me laugh. Um, Glenn, that's the fourth away game in a row. We've conceded three goals. Um, we're not really learning much about the team, are we? These, these last two games. Consistent. <laughs> it's all about consistency. <laughs> yeah, it was. I mean, I, I mean, I was there with Steve. It was. It was. It was awful. We we played well for about fifteen minutes in the second half when we genuinely got on the front foot. That phrase that Ruben Sellers totally misuses, and we actually got forward. And Brighton suddenly looked rattled. For... It, it was odd. I, I I do wonder whether we just lulled them into a false sense of security that they yeah. that they genuinely just thought, well, these, these lads aren't, aren't aren't bothering, so we can just stroll stroll our way through it. And all of a sudden, we just we just decided, oh yeah, we fancy running running around a little bit here. Yeah. So we scored the goal from the set piece, which was decent, and then you know we we scored the second goal, and it I've watched it since, and it. Level has been written out of the offside law now, hasn't it? Yeah. I mean, that, that I can't be bothered with dealing with the millimetres. And I know people are going to argue, yes, it's a black and white. It's a, it's a yes it's a yes or no. But that's absurd. That, sh- that should be a goal. And it, it reminded me back when, do you remember the game we lost 9-0 against Man United when Che Adams had one disallowed mm-hmm. for absolutely nothing? And they, they, showed, they, they couldn't 
put a picture on the screen that showed it was offside or it, you know and then we had the Danny Ings one against Villa with his his armpit hair got given <laughs> offside I mean and those two goals were two and a half years ago I think and we here we are today I mean the reason we've not been moaning much about VAR this season as Saints fans is because we ain't been doing any attacking mm. So yeah, other, other, plenty but, of other podcasts and other fan groups have been doing that on our behalf. Yeah, sure. yeah. But you, you know, I mean, when when that goal got disallowed, a it wasn't surprising because it's just the way this season has gone, isn't it? But it, it just that that seemed to deflate us a little bit. And then Paul Tierney, who's a shocking referee, he then pulled. I think the ball was at someone's feet, roughly on the penalty spot, and he pulled it back for a foul, sort of fifteen yards back against you know, one of our players gave us a free kick miles out. And it's just these, those sort of things just seem to deflate the team. And then suddenly we went back to being passive again and Brighton scored a third goal, thanks to a wonderful bit of closing down by Aribo and a, and a, a, another quality bit of goalkeeping by McCarthy. So who did, it, in fact, keep the score down a little bit after that? He made a couple of decent saves, to be fair to him. But it, it was just a, it was just another sort of nothing. You can't play well for 15 minutes. But it's interesting that, you know, the, fi- the 15 minutes where we played well was where we genuinely got the ball down and tried to play with a little bit of pace. And when we do that, we don't look that bad. But we, can, we only seem to do it for 15 minutes. And the rest of the time, we're worrying about rest defence. <laughs> You know, you play stoppers. It's just, yeah, you play stoppers, and it's it's it, it was just it was just dreadful. But it was it was exactly as you kind of expected it to be. And I think every, at the final whistle, everyone went, "Oh well, same yeah. again." Yeah, I think you summed it up, Jacob. It's, it was kind of a limbo game, isn't it? It, it was always going to be a bit strange because the manager knows he's going. Some of the players know that they're off. Um, there's no motivation really for for any of them. No, that's why I was just so glad that there were some youngsters in Tina Livermento there because I thought, oh, oh my God, this could be a little bit boring because I would just see Lewis Dunk keeping the ball for about 60 minutes, waiting for someone to come and press him and then they'll rip through him and Brighton will score and then they'll probably just keep the ball and Slams will just be, be quite passive. And fortunately, I, I was had, I had the best seat in the house so I could just see Camidor and Don Bala and Livermento all come on. And I thought, you know, Livermento was the one I was really looking forward to seeing and I thought he looked really good, to be honest with you. Did. you know, he came his first action. He came in, snaps in in Matoma, won a free kick. Uh, that shows obviously the mental scars are, are not mm. there. And then even when he was under pressure, when Jan Benrick would just give him the ball when three players were around him, he'd still work a way out of it. And I think considering the last twenty minutes was pretty passive to be honest. They're just going through the motions, looking up. And I think when yeah, the fourth official added seven minutes of added time, I think they thought, oh my bloody hell, just just get on with it. Um, but yeah, Livermento I thought was quite good. Cammy Dor had some nice touches. Uh, Don Mallard tried to run in behind a few times. Because I'm thinking, you're not getting in the red zone. You're not you're not the number 10 that you're supposed to be. Um, but I quite like that as well. It's quite refreshing. So at least there's a few glimmers of, of hope for next season because I think if Camidor and Don Ballard didn't play today or aren't in the squad next week then they, they could be off because they won't sign a new contract so I think that this will hopefully be the start of a, of a more productive uh, look into the future. Were you surprised they didn't start Glenn? I mean I don't want to spend another five minutes going on about Elianusi and, and Walcott but you know Adam Armstrong <laughs> said this week that he was happy to stick around next season and gets drops from the squad it just it, I, honestly I don't want to spend five minutes talking about awful starting 11s because I feel like we've done that for the last three or four or five months but is it a bit weird that they didn't come in a bit earlier because he was making the noises about it during the week no I, I don't I don't think so and you know I said a couple of weeks ago it's it's a massive jump up from what is basically age group football in the B team up to playing a professional game I mean you saw 
there was one bit where Don Ballard ran into Lewis Dunk and it, it was like swatting a fly. <laughs> you know, it's just, it's just, it is it, so different. And, and, you know, Cammy Doyle, I don't know sort of how tall he is and stuff, but he looked kind of small and slight out on the pitch. It's, it's, it, it is a big step up. I think they could have given him a bit, a bit longer, especially Doyle. I think Ballard got about 25 minutes, did he? Doyle got about 10 at the end. They, they, they could have given him a little bit longer, I think. It's especially, you know, bearing in mind our, our forwards are not, not all that, are they? So it, you, you wouldn't exactly be missing much, but I'm, I'm not surprised they didn't start, but uh, I would, I would have liked to have seen them come on a little bit earlier, but you know, again, the mind blowing selection was Joe Rebo coming in from absolutely nowhere and being, being Joe Rebo, no, Glenn, no surprise. He's, Not... he's, a, he's the reason why he plays because he's been good in training as well. <laughs> oh, excellent. <laughs> <laughs> excellent. I thought I'd tell you that. Thanks. Cheers, Honestly, mate. Russell Martin just needs to listen back to a few of these podcasts and write down some of the phrases not to mention uh, in yeah. interviews and the, the, the triggers that are going to set everybody off. Steve, I just want to talk about Livramento because I know they made a big deal about him being back after 13 months. And, and I know you were a little bit sceptical, perhaps, about the, the reasons behind that. And, and maybe it was a bit too soon. Yeah, I mean, I, j- I just thought, given that the kid's been out for the best part of 18 months, has had, what, three different operations now, I think, and has tried to tried to come back played that obviously played that 45 minutes for the b team what about a month or so ago now that's i mean that feels like a lifetime ago and then the talk was that right okay he he felt some he was feeling some discomfort in the days afterwards so therefore right season over just draw a line under it and we'll get you ready to to be sort of raring to go in in july so to me it it kind of felt like it was a bit of a P, bit of a sort of pr good pr sort of push to say look this this kid that we've all pinned our hopes on is is fit and available again and he and and we'll we'll give him some we'll give him some game time which i just felt just naturally felt was just a bit of a risk because what are you doing in that situation you're either demonstrating to potential suitors that oh look he's fit um they've 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 given him minutes in um in the premier league game so he must be must be fine or you're basically setting him up to um to get injured again um when he's not played a, he's not played a competitive game against adults there's been nothing really that's that's been said as to why 3 weeks ago his his season was over and they weren't looking to to push him through anything and now all of a sudden it's oh he's he's going to he's going to be on on the bench at brighton and he'll probably play I mean, he, he he played he played well as as Glenn said. He he did look certainly when he was on the ball. He did look as if he'd never really been away, which was which is certainly which is obviously very promising. But I don't know. It it, it just feels to me that we we owe we owe the kid a duty of care, and and the, and the same applies to all the players when they've when they've been through what Tino's been through. Um, there is a duty of care to to that player to not rush them back for the sake of a PR win. And I just I just thought that was that was irris- a little bit irresponsible. I suppose there were no pictures of them training this week that they could share on social media without a backlash. So maybe they were looking for, for a different story. And and the fact that he got that injury at Brighton, it makes it all nice and, and joined up and it ticks all the boxes, maybe. So it would just serve ourselves right, wouldn't it, if he's the first one out the door. We'll see. Final Premier League game for a while uh, is Liverpool on Sunday. I mean, the season finally comes to an end. Uh, Glenn, the reverse fixture ended 3-1 back in November. Uh, Nathan Jones' first game in charge. We were like, 
But it wasn't, yeah. they, but they wasn't his first game. Oh, because he didn't take he credit. credit for that he, one, he absolved his yeah. responsibility That's from that. Right. Not in the win. Not in the win ratio for that one. <laughs> what are you expecting on Sunday? It's going to be another one of those really strange games where, you know, not a lot. Yeah. I'm Ruben Sellers to wave goodbye with respect or without. I don't really care. What, what do I expect from the game itself? It doesn't look like Liverpool are um, are going to be um, playing for anything unless uh, Manchester United managed to lose twice at home and or Newcastle managed to lose twice in the last, uh, last two games. So it looks like Liverpool are just going to be settling for the Europa League place. But regardless of whether they've got anything to play for or not, they're going to be far too strong for us. And... Um, and uh, they'll be far too slick with the way they um, with the way they play for us to have an answer to. So, hopefully, we you know you'd like to think that we'd go into it and try and try and uh, give the fans a decent send off for the season. But there's nothing to suggest that we'll do that whatsoever. So um, you know we've been waiting for that for the last sort of ten games. Go on, go on, have a go. But no, we don't do that. <laughs> Take the brakes off. Um, so. Yeah, I think it's the same as today, really. The, the way we can get something out of it is is by giving the youngsters some more minutes. And, you know, maybe maybe look at, again, said this last week, look, look at the players who are who are going to be here next year. But it, it is a strange one. I mean, in, in Ruben Sellers' defence, it is a strange one. He knows he's going. So what what's his motivation going to be? He's not really going to be concerned about the future of Southampton Football Club. So, so who knows? Just getting 11 players out on the pitch who, who actually want to be there and are going to put in some sort of effort because you know you're playing against you're playing against a very good team. So it, if Liverpool were up for it, they could score however many they wanted to. If we're not at it, but if the, and even if they're not up for it, they'll just pass the ball around and it'll just be really really boring. So uh, <laughs> so you know standard two 0 defeat and 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 rubbish. So so hopefully we have a go, but it, I think if you, you've just got to go go there as a as a fan if you're going and just. Just try try and enjoy it, and hopefully get something out of it with the um, you know with watching watching the youngsters have a few minutes. What are you expecting, Steve? Is it going to be like today but worse? No, I, I think it'll be like like today, but slightly um, slightly less painful because I think Liverpool aren't. I mean, as, as mental as it as it feels to actually say this, I actually don't think Liverpool are on Brighton's level at the moment, um, despite what the league table might suggest. Well, Brighton are given a few hidings out, haven't they? Yeah, uh, including to Liverpool um, yeah. earlier well, yeah. in the season. So yeah, I mean Brighton are a very very good side and they're kind of at the at the peak of they're probably um headbutting their glass ceiling right now. Liverpool are going through a bit of an iffy patch. They're prob- there's probably going to be an awful lot of change in the summer. So actually, they're the team that Jurgen Klopp names Sunday. Um, I wouldn't be surprised if it's got got a case of playing all the old hits about it. Um, Firmino's off, so he'll. I've no doubt he'll start and probably score a hat trick. Um, <laughs> and I mean, you look you look at them their midfield like constant talk of needing to to refresh that midfield. So um, James Milner probably probably playing um some part before he he then goes to goes to Brighton. So yeah, I, I think it'll be it's gonna be one of those one of those sort of disjointed end of season games where ultimately there's not there's nothing much riding on it, but um realistically the the quality will probably uh will probably um tell in the end. That's a really good point, Jacob, from Saint one nine four. Do you think Russell Martin would be in the stadium for the game? Yeah I was gonna say that mate Maybe I thought you could have that 
example of Eric Ten Hag last year when he was at the Crystal Palace game off and overseeing Ralph Rangnick's final game, which ended in defeat. So you could have that. You could see Russell Martin in, in a director's box with, who knows, Ankerson might even go to a game uh, under Sellers. <laughs> um, but yeah, I'm looking forward to it purely for the fact that I've been told that my piece next week will be basically to interview fans in the pub beforehand. So I'm looking <laughs> forward to, yeah, if anyone's in... What pub are you going to be in? What pub? I'm going to be in from the more I don't know, anywhere. So if anyone wants to have a chat, to, to have an interview, tell me about you, the, the season, let me know. Uh, you can buy me a pint if you want. And then we'll just... <laughs> I was, was we'll, going to say, is, is there not we'll, an expenses <laughs> budget? There's not oh, a budget. Exactly. They, can buy, they can buy me one if they want to. And then I'll just rock, I'll rock up with St Mary's at half two. And then, yeah, let's see what happens. And I'm looking forward to seeing what happens. After. I'm not looking forward to it, but I'm interested to see what happens after the game in terms of if they do the lap of honour and how many people will actually be there. So, will, you, yeah. will you stay for the lap of honour, Glenn? Steve, are you going to be... Uh... No. No, I didn't. Think um, no. <laughs> probably not. I mean, I, I, I stayed for a bit of the one against Fulham just to just kind of just to see what the reaction was. And I mean, seeing half of the half of the fan base clapping along like seals as if as if mm. they put in a great shift was kind of like, no, nah, I'm not not watching not watching that crap again. Mm. Um, I, I would I would stay, but my, my dad will be three miles up the road by then. <laughs> <laughs> the second the whistle goes, he's like, I'm gone. See ya. Do you think and, the, uh, the game is just going to be a distraction this week, Jacob? Because it sounds like there might be some bigger news on Monday, Tuesday, if they get this this announcement um, over the line and they get it done. It, it sounds like the game might just be a, do we have to, a distraction? I, I think yeah, everyone's been basically saying, you know, in the club, like just just get out the season over and done with. Let's just go on holiday. Let's just reset. Let the decision makers do what they've got to do, and let the others just completely go. You know, I said a few weeks ago on here that I think the, the players were mentally done, and that's before quite a few weeks before relegation. And I think probably the staff, uh, you know, both in the first team and just in general around the club, probably think the same as well. Um, so I, I think if they could, they'd go without this game. Uh, at the end of the day, there's no pressure. Let's see what happens, and I would like to see you know, a bit more, you know, some new blood added into that team and, and see what happens rather than playing the same old hits and getting the same old results. Yeah. Uh, was that a yawn, Glenn? Probably. <laughs> 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 it's been a long day. Just thought of the, thought of the starting 11 already. Um, for yeah, the yeah. final time, I'm going to ask you four score predictions. So if you're watching along live, stick these in the comments. Steve, how many do you think Liverpool will get on Sunday? 3-1. Uh, 3-1. Uh, Glenn? Um, I was going to say the same thing actually, so I'll um, I'll, uh, I'll now I'll, I'll, I'll rev it up and go three uh, <laughs> nil Liverpool three nil and uh, Jacob. I'm going back to uh, type. I'm going to say two one Southampton. <laughs> <laughs> Nurse. <laughs> I mean, I'd love to see the odd you get on that. Um, we shall see. So we'll keep an eye on your Twitter show and see which pub you're going to be in um, post-match. I'll go to any, yeah. If just send me a message, I'll walk, I'll go anywhere. There we go. I look forward to you on the pod next Sunday if we do it. On that note, thank you for everything. Um, there was plenty to get through there. Don't forget you can follow Total Saints Podcast on Facebook and Twitter. It's at Total Saints Pod. The website is totalsaints.co.uk. And as I mentioned at the start, we're on Patreon, and that's where you can support the podcast with your monthly contributions. It's patreon.com forward slash Total Saints Podcast. The four tiers on there range from £5 to £20 per month. Each of the tiers comes with its own perks, including some weekly shouts for those patrons in our Francis Benali and our Mick Shannon tiers. We always do these at the end of the pod. So thanks as always to Dave Melton, Mark Atkins, Matt Hall, Andy Hollis and Andy Thompson in the Francis Benali tier and also to Colt Baker, Dave Ernsberger, Ed Busy, Nick Higston, Phil Cook, Matt Rose and Nick Reed in the Mick Shannon tier.
comment here. Thank you, Glenn. Thanks, Steve. Um, thank you, Jacob. Um, thank you for watching. Thank you for listening. And we'll see you again next week. Away days are great, but there's nothing quite like playing at home. The same goes for McDonald's. Maximize your home ground advantage with McDelivery. Order now on the McDonald's app. At participating restaurants, 18 plus serving times, delivery fee, and terms apply. See McDonald's.com. Planning for your next trip? Elevate your travel style with Quince. Quince has all the jet setting essentials you'll want for your next getaway, like European linen, premium luggage options, buttery soft Italian leather bags, and so much more. And it's all priced at 50 to 80% less than similar brands. Plus, Quince only works with factories that use safe and ethical manufacturing practices. Pack your bags with high-quality essentials you'll be wearing for vacations to come with Quince. Go to quince.com slash trip for free shipping and 365-day returns. This podcast is proud to be part of the TalkSport Fan Network. TalkSport. Powered by fans.